Good morning. Man, you all look good in red. Somebody said, what's all the red about? And I told them, I said, it's because Valentine's Day is coming, right? So men, before you shake your head, just say, yes, dear. Yes, dear. What he said, that's exactly why I'm wearing red. Well, I want to so, welcome everybody, and I welcome everybody who's watching online. I'm so thankful that you took time out of your day to come and worship with us. And um, we've been a series um, called Refreshed, and today's the last part of that series. It's the last Sunday. After this, we're going to take a right-hand turn, and we're going to head towards Lent. We're going to head towards the cross. And remember, in our faith, it doesn't stop at the cross, right? It goes on to the grave, the empty tomb. And so we're getting ready because Easter's not that far away. So before we begin to talk about today, a couple things that I wanted to share with you. Um, This last week, one of the things that I can tell is there's something different in here today. And what's different is in the last week, this church has been prayed over 24 hours a day for seven days. Isn't that amazing? Now, I have to tell you, I got to make a confession, all right? So I signed up for the 2 a.m. And I did really, really good until the third night. And what happened was, as I got up, I turned my alarm off, and I thought, I'm just going to lay here, and next thing I knew, it was morning, so I made up for it. But anyways, I'm so glad that we had that opportunity. Last week, I challenged you. Remember, I challenged you to this 28 devotion. And the challenge is, is that we're all doing it together. Some of you may not have gotten one of those devotional booklets. It's not too late. You can still get involved. If you need a booklet, you can go out to the um, guest services. Um, We've got a devotional booklet for you. You can take one home with you, okay? All right, now, some of you have asked me and asked some of the staff members is that, well, we need more than one. I want you to understand there's a reason why we're only handing out one per family, okay? And here's why. We want you to do it together. We want husband and wife to do it together. We want husband and wife and children. We want grandparents. We want us to do it together because there's power in numbers. I'm excited about what God is doing in and through us. Right now, you are a part of a great work that God is doing. If you're participating with us, you are being emptied of yourself. But as you're being emptied of yourself, you are being filled with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you are filled with the King of kings, there isn't anything you can't do. I hope that you're starting to think a little bit different. There was an experiment that was done a few years ago and was called the Biosphere 2. Anybody hear about that? Basically what it was, it was a scientific experiment And the scientists got together and they kind of created the perfect atmosphere, the perfect climate. And it gave them an opportunity to kind of do some experiments with living conditions. And they also were able to have some fun with farming without hurting the planet. One of the things that they found out about the biosphere was something that they didn't plan. And that was this. They didn't realize that they were going to learn about the impact of wind on trees So here's what they did. They got these trees and they put them in this biosphere. And these trees grew rapidly. And not only did they grow rapidly, but they matured quicker than the trees that were planted outside the biosphere. But then just before they got to maturity, guess what happened? All the trees fell over. Well, immediately the scientists went to work and they studied the root system and they studied the outer bark and all of that and they found the problem. And the problem was this, the trees lacked strength.
stress wood. Now you may think, well, what is stress wood? Well, thank you for asking. Stress wood does two things. Number one, it helps a tree to position itself so it can get the maximum absorption of the sun. But the second thing that, that this, this stress wood does is it allows a tree to get hard and to stand firm and to stand tall. You see, in this biosphere, what was missing was the stress of the wind. Wind is what brought about this stress wood and made these trees to be able to stand tall. Here's what I want you to understand this morning as we move through our lesson. That is the same truth found in our lives. We want the perfect life, just like we find in the biosphere, right? We want it sunny, we want to have all the water we need, we don't want to have any kind of stress in our lives. But in the Bible, what we're going to learn today is that God uses stress, or what I'm going to say is tests, to mature us and to strengthen us so that we can stand tall with a firm outer coat of faith. So when tests come into your life, do not fight them. Embrace them because they are going to make you what God desires you to be. All right? Now here's the second thing. When I was teaching, one of the things that I remember those days when I would come into the classroom and I would say, okay, put your books and your pencils and paper away, we're having a test. Now, I never surprised them on They knew the test was coming, but one of the things that I used to do was, is before I would give them the test, I would give them quizzes. And the quizzes, there were five of them before every test, and the quizzes basically had five questions. Now, what I remember about that is I would, I would say to them, I said, okay, guys, I said, before we get into our lesson for today, take out a piece of paper and a pencil, and everybody would go, uh, you know how that goes. And I would give them the, the quizzes, and then I would grade them, and then I would hand them back. And the ones who never got a good grade, this is what I would hear. They would crumple up the paper, and i go, ah, do not throw those quizzes away. And the reason is, is because the test will be made up of those quizzes. Those quizzes will help you pass the test. The same thing is true in the God's word. God gives us tests, but he also gives us little quizzes. And the purpose of the quizzes is to help us pass the test. Now, this morning, we're going to learn about a man who had the greatest test in the history of the world. Stand with me out of respect for God's word as I read this from Genesis chapter 22, and I'm going to begin at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Now, I want you to understand that that's the reply of a servant. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love. Now, that's the very first time that we find the word love. And I want you to understand that when we see this word love, the description of love is based on the relationship between a father and his son. All right, I promise I won't stop anymore, okay? 
It says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Dads, put yourself in this place. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, help me to remember that faith requires movement. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, there's a couple things that we need to make sure we get straight. And the first one is this, when we talk about faith, when we talk about a test, when we talk about what Abraham's about to go through. This is not the type of test that is supposed to prove faith. That's That's not the reason for it. This is the type of test that reveals faith. Are we clear on that? So when we're looking at Abraham, when we're looking at in our own lives, we're not talking about a test that is going to build faith or produce faith. We're talking about a test that will reveal faith. That's the purpose. All right, now, as we always do, in order to understand what's happening in chapter 22, there are some things that we need to understand from chapter 21. And there's a couple major points. Now, in chapter 21, there are three things that happen. The very first thing that happens is Isaac is born. You remember Isaac, right? Isaac is the child of promise, not Ishmael. If you look in Genesis chapter 21, 21 verse 12, the Bible is very clear that Isaac is the child of promise, okay? So Isaac is born. 
The second thing that happens in chapter 21 is that Hagar, remember, Hagar was the servant of Sarah. When Abraham and Sarah weren't having kids, Sarah came up with the idea, and Abraham agreed, take Hagar and have a son. He took her, and they had a son, and his name was Ishmael, right? Isaac, the seed, the promised seed is now born, and now there's a problem with Hagar and Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael are now dismissed from the family, and God takes them away from the family out on their own, and God promises Ishmael that he will bring through him a nation. He's not the promised seed, though. The third thing that happens is you need to understand and know where, the, where Abraham and Sarah are living. They're living in a land, a land that is guarded or who is ruled by a king, and his name is Abimelech. Abimelech, the Bible tells us, has been watching Abraham. You know what he noticed about Abraham? God had blessed Abraham. He saw his herds growing, he saw everything growing, and so he's a little afraid of Abraham. So he goes to him, he goes, let's make a treaty, let's make a covenant between us so we can live in this land of peace, and that's exactly what they do. All right, now, there's a verse that I want to go to here in chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, and now we're going to get into the story. Here we go. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At that very time, God had promised him. All right, now, this is a critical verse. You've got to understand what's happening here. And to understand what's happening here, we have to go to the counterpart of this verse, which is found in the New Testament, and that's in Romans. Watch very carefully here. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. So here's what we need to understand as we go on, okay? This kind of helps you, gives you a little insight to what Abraham is thinking. So according to the scriptures, what the scriptures teach us here is this. That which was thought to be dead, Abraham's body and Sarah's womb, that which was thought to be dead, God brought life. Wow! That's what it means. It means that what that was supposed to be dead, God brought life. All right, now, watch this next verse here. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Here's what I want you to realize. This is the message of this verse. God is able. Let's say it together. God is able. Let's say it again. God is able. One more time, God is able. Here's what that means. Even though your marriage has been turned upside down, God is able. Even though that your finances may be a mess, God is able. Even though you may be going through some illness and some health issues and you're not sure which direction to turn, God is able. Church, as we move through this refresh, as God is coming to us, as he's filling us with his heart, no matter what he asks us to do, we must come to the collusion. God is able. And that should give us great faith 
and great courage. All right, now, as we go now into chapter 22, with that, with that information, with that message from God, I want you to understand what's happening. Between chapter 21 and chapter 22 is anywhere from 10 to 20 years. These are 10 to 20 years where Sarah, Abraham, and Isaac are enjoying a time of peace. This is the family getting to know the family. They're raising Isaac. Abraham's been out fishing with Isaac. Sarah's been teaching him how to cook bread. I mean, this little boy, he's the only little boy, so he's probably a little bit spoiled, if you know what I mean. But here's what I want you to understand about this family. They are comfortable. I think there's something that we need to learn here, and what we need to learn here is that God gives us times of comfort and peace in our lives, doesn't he? But what I want you to understand is that when that happens, God's preparing you for what is coming. There's a test coming. Oh, how we want to live the comfortable life, right? We want the nice house. We want to drive the nice cars. We want to eat the best food all the time. And we get all upset when problems come into our life. But I want you to remember, just like the tree before, God allows those tests to happen so that he can prove the faith within each of us. So where are you right now? Are you going through the test? Or are you at a time where life's pretty good? I'm pretty comfortable. Don't get too comfortable, okay? Let's go on now. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied, Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So here's what I want you to understand. Before God takes you to that next level in your faith, you get a test. When God asks you to do something that makes no sense at all, that's your test. Take a look at this. A religion that costs you nothing is worth nothing. Can we be real blunt about this? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not going to cost you a little. It's not going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you everything. In fact, didn't Jesus tell us that every day we have to deny ourselves? We have to pick up our cross and we have to follow him. Jesus makes it very clear, life was not supposed to be comfortable, but the reward in the end is absolutely amazing. Now watch this. Satan tempts to bring out the worst. God tests to bring out the best in you. So what is a test? A test is just very simply proof of the value of what you've been taught. When you take a test in life, when you took a test in school, what was it? It was a test that covering everything that the teacher had taught you. That's what a test is about. Now, have you learned, have you taken in everything that you've lived up to this point, and do you find yourself that you have been found of value because you have learned from what you have gone through? Watch. God prepares us for struggle and sacrifice. You can count on that. 
All right, now let me ask you this question. What was the test for Abraham? What was the test? The test was simply this. Who comes first, Isaac or God? My friends, what's your Isaac? What's your Isaac? What is it that God is wanting to say to you? So what comes first in your life? Is it this or is it God? You see, Abraham never knew that what he was going through was a test. God didn't come to say, hey, Abraham, I'm about to test you. And he doesn't come to you and say, hey, I'm about to test you. That's not what he does. All of a sudden, life changes. And when life changes, all of a sudden, it changes because God wants to get your attention. So what do you do during this time when God gets your attention? Well, I think one of the things that Abraham had to be thinking, now, wait a minute. God just told me to offer my son Isaac the promised seed? Now, wait a minute. If he's dead, I know the children are supposed to cover him. The boy's got to have children. Something's not right here. And that's exactly what Abraham began to do. He began to look at the promises based on the quizzes that God had given him. What were his quizzes? Here's some of them. When Abram, not Abraham, when Abram was called by God. His name means exalted father. How many kids did he have? Zero. Then God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means what? Father of a multitude. How many kids does he have now? Two, right? Isaac and Ishmael. You see, Abraham is thinking based on the quizzes that God has given him in his life, that God is in this. Take a look. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so, in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead, right? That's exactly what he was talking about. All right, now, when we go and, and we look at the very first thing that God did, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, it says, early in the morning, Abraham got up, right? Early in the morning, promptly, he gets up. And what does he do? He gets at it. In other words, Abraham knew that the way you spell love when God gives you something to do is O-B-E-Y, the very first thing. Now, here's the other thing about Abraham. This man was wealthy. He was filthy rich. He had hundreds of servants. But did you notice the Bible tells us Abraham didn't ask any of his servants to do the work. He did the work. Why? Because he knew that God was speaking to him. So he took care of getting the wood. He took care of getting all the supplies. He's the one that got Isaac and said, we're going on a little camping trip. Now, my friends, I want you to learn something from this, and that's this, that when you hear a word from God, and you should be hearing a word from God, I got two of them this last week. When you get a word from God, when God impresses on your heart for something you to do, what you do next will demonstrate what you believe about God. 
You see, I've learned in life is that if you don't pass the test, you don't get to go on. You have to pass the test before God takes you on. Here's a case in point for Lori and I. When we came to this refresh campaign and we had to come up with a number because remember we did the leaders went first. She went her way and I went my way and we came up with a number and we agreed on the number. And what you need to understand is when we came up with the number, both of us knew we couldn't do this on our own without changing our lifestyle. Not gonna happen. But we knew it was of God. Why? Because the Bible tells us God is able, right? You see, here's what we believe. We're gonna do our part to do everything we possibly can knowing that God's promise is that he will provide. And that's exactly what we're believing. So here's the question. When God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense, when God asks you to step out in faith and it is illogical, what are you supposed to do? You know what the answer is? Get theological. When God asks you to do something that is illogical, get theological. Now, here's what I want, here's what I want you to understand about that, why this is, is important, okay? And this is the verse that I want to use. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Here's what we do. When God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense, what you do is you start going back and you start reasoning about the truth and character of who God is. Wow, in my life, he's always been there. He's always done something. He's always showed me this is what he was supposed to do. This moment came for Lori and I. And you know what it was? It happened about 11, 12, well, actually, almost 20 years ago. And one day I knew God said to me, Bob, you're going to Florida. And I said, could you be the one to tell my wife about that? <laughs> I mean, we were getting ready to celebrate a wedding. And I remember where Lori and I were. And I told her, I said, guess what? We're, we're, we're going to Florida. And I remember Lori said, she goes, well, I'm not sure we're going to go. But I have been looking at houses, that type of thing. When we went down there, guess what? We looked at everything, and I can remember where we were. We were in a, in a, in a, in a home that someone had allowed us to use. Um, what I remember about that, ESPN didn't work, but that doesn't mean anything, okay? But I can remember I was sitting on the bed, and Lori was looking in the mirror. I had my back to her. I was looking in one mirror, and she was looking in another mirror, and I told her this. I said, you know what? I said, I think God's calling us to Florida. And her response was, I think he is too. I want to show you something here. Our love for God needs to be proven. Our love for God needs to be proven. So my friends, what do you know is true about God in your life? I want to share with you an example of what happened to us this summer. So we were down at Table Rock as a family, and uh, we were having a great time. We all get in the boat, and the kids just love to get on the boat and jump off in the water, and it's just a blast. It's a fun and a relaxing time. Well, where we were, there's a place where there's some cliffs, and the kids wanted to jump off the cliffs. So I said, okay. So we went over that direction. Some of them swam in. And the first cliff is a pretty smaller one, and everybody jumped off that one. Oh, they had a blast. They thought that was the best thing until the two girls spotted another cliff. And the cliff was a little over there, and it was a quite a bit higher than that. And so guess what? The two girls went up to jump off that. Now, how many of you remember what that was like when you were younger, when you were foolish? 
Isn't it amazing how when you get up on the cliff and you look down and it's a lot higher than what it was when you were down there, right? So Lori and I and some of the others were in the boat and we were just kind of coasting around, trolling around. And I remember when they got up there, the first one that went off was Layla. Now her dad had jumped in the water and here's what he said to her. Layla, look at me. Nobody say nothing. Layla, look at me. You can do this. You can do this. I would never do anything that's going to hurt you. You can do this. Layla, just keep your eyes on me. And guess what she did? She jumped off and in the water. So then next came Harper. And Harper was up there, and her dad, Pastor Aaron, was up there with her, okay? And as Harper looked at it, she was like, whoo, that's a long ways down there. And we were all cheering, you can do this, you can do this. And you know what happened? Her dad reached over his hand and said, Harper, take a hold of my hand and we'll do it together. And they jumped off the cliff together. As I was thinking about that this week, here's what I want you to know. That's exactly what God is doing with us today. And here's what God is saying to us. When I reach out my hand to you, you grab a hold of my hand. And then you keep your eyes focused on me. And as you focus your eyes on me, step out in faith. Now, here's the message. Those girls were able to jump off that cliff, to step out in faith and jump off that cliff simply because of the relationship they had with their dad. And the same is true for all of us here today. We are able to step out in faith because of our relationship with our dad. Here we go. We're almost done. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Have you learned in life that sacrifices always cost you something? right? It's supposed to. A sacrifice always costs you something. When Abraham was getting ready to step out in faith, he fully intended to carry out what God had told him to do. And the only reason he could do that was because of his relationship with God. Okay? Take a look at this. Sacrifice is giving something precious to me to give something more precious. Let's go on. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on at the altar on top of the wood. Now, the message that Abraham gives to his son Isaac is the message that we need to hear today. And what's the message God will provide? If God has asked you to step out in faith, he will provide. And here's the proof. Do you remember when, God, when Jesus needed a boat a man lent him a boat, the boat became a pulpit, and Jesus returned that boat full of fish. Or how about when Jesus needed an upper room for his disciples and his followers, 
Jesus sent a couple of his disciples ahead to get the upper room. Do you remember how Jesus returned the upper room? He, changed, he, he, he returned the room full of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Or what about that little boy who had some loaves and a, some fish? Remember what he did? He gave them to Jesus, and what did, how did Jesus return it? With 12, 12 bags or 12 different buckets left over. God will provide, and he honors faith. I'm going to close today by telling you a story, a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a very well-known pastor in Britain. And Charles tells a story that he was on his way back from some meetings that he had out of the country, and he was on the train. He was kind of in a hurry. He kind of was late, and so he, didn't, he wasn't sure he had everything. But when he got on to the train, in those days, the trains they had, each train had a compartment. So he's found his compartment, and it was the last compartment on the last car on the train, and he took his place. As he was in there, he kept looking for his ticket, and he couldn't find it. Just then the door opened, and a very distinguished-looking man walked in and said, I'm sharing this, this, this compartment car with you. Is that okay? And he said, sure, have a seat. So they sat down together, and sure enough, what was Charles? He was kept looking, trying to find what he was looking for, and the man said to him, he said, did you lose something? He goes, yeah, I lost my ticket. Not only that, I lost my watch, and I have absolutely no money. And then Charles Spurgeon sat back and just laughed. The man didn't really quite find that funny, so he said, why is that funny to you? And he said, this is not the first time this has happened to me. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm just going to enjoy how God's going to provide. At that moment, the compartment on the car opened up, and the conductor walked in. He was collecting tickets. He looked at Charles Spurgeon, and he kind of greeted him, but then he noticed the man who was with him, and he tipped his hat with him to him almost in respect, and they had a conversation. When he was done, he closed the door, and he left. Charles Spurgeon said, can you believe that? He didn't even ask me for my ticket. Isn't that amazing? And then the man said, he said, it is interesting how God provided for you. He said, what you don't know is that I owned this railroad. I had an unexpected meeting this morning in London, and this was the only train available. When I came in, I usually get the first car, but they told me it was full. I said, that's okay, put me in whatever is left, and they put me in this car. Charles just Spurgeon said, isn't that amazing? And the man said, your God used me to provide for you. My friends, God will always provide. You know what the last thing that man said to Charles Spurgeon? Tell me more about your God. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who provides. You are Jehovah Jireh, and everything I need comes from your hands. I pray today, Father, that as you are emptying me of myself and filling me up with you, I'm praying, God, that as I experience your presence and I hear your voice to step out in faith, give me the courage to be obedient. And as I'm obedient, I'm going to remember, Lord, 
I'm going to remember all those times in my life that you have been with me. I'm going to remember that I am going through a test and I want to be found obedient and faithful. God is hard. It's hard sometimes to step out in faith. So where I don't have enough faith, you be my faith. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you please stand? I want to give you the benediction, and I won't tell you, but this benediction is going to bless one of the teams this afternoon. I'm not going to tell you which one, but it's going to bless one of them, okay? But I want you to remember how much God loves you. I want you to remember how much I love you and how much I believe in you. I'm excited for what God's getting ready to do because he's doing it in my heart too. All the buildings, that'll be nice. It'll be great to have a refresh. But what I'm most excited about is the ministry that's going to come from this because of what God's doing in each one of our lives. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his love. God bless you. Have a great day. 